What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is the podcast where everyone knows your name. Cheers, Cheers to ya. ya. I'm Josh. And I'm Tyler, and this is 30 and Nerdy. We're coming at you from the Fortress of Nerditude with yours truly, the RNP, the Registered Nerd Practitioner, the founder of Nerdledge, that'd be me, the Mac himself, and as always, Awesome to be joined by my co-host, the juicy one, the nerd Torius JLD, the PhD of nerdology, Doctor Davis himself. <laughs> right, <laughs> can't beat that. You really can't. Slick as a biscuit. <laughs> and uh, it's great to be back. And on this week's edition, we're bringing back our popular segment, Watch You Watching, where we give you some recommendations of some entertainment for you uh, for this week. We're also, of course, going to have a new nerd word when Tyler talks nerdy to us. And we are going to give you the nerd news of this week right before we break it down on the Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, and for those of you listening, thank you so much. Week in and week out, man, we get more subscribers, we get more followers. And it's a lot of fun, and it's fantastic. We know a lot of really great people, they so I, w- I was confident that <clears throat> that when we started this, we would have people that were supportive of us and everything. But there are people who are not just supporting, but like big fans. Like they yeah. really enjoy the show, and that means a lot Absolutely. to me. You know, they're, and you know they're listening, they're questioning yeah, us, they're sending it, in comments. Sometimes. You know, people that I'm surprised because I didn't think this is stuff that they would be interested in, mm-hmm. but they're all about it, and it just makes me so happy. So thank you. Yes, thank you, and keep it up. You know, follow us. Tell on, your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Thirty and Nerdy Pod, and all these are three zero, the number thirty. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, t- Tune In, Radio Public, and we have a YouTube channel. So you can really find us anywhere. I don't know what half of those things are, but I'm glad that we're there. <laughs> we're there. And definitely check out our website, www.30andnerdypodcast.com, for all the latest info on the nerds. So, Dr. Davis, how you doing, brother? Oh, man. I'm, I'm doing well. There's so much to tell from this week. First of all... it. It's a miracle that I'm even alive and and here to do the show today. What happened? Well, it's been, um, you know, raining a lot here Mm -hmm. in beautiful East Tennessee. And because of that, my yard turned into a jungle. And yesterday was like the only pretty day that we had. So I said, I'm going to mow my yard. Well, I'm mowing, listening to a podcast or something, minding my own business, enjoying my day. And I feel something <clears throat> hit me in the leg. So, oh, what was that? And then I felt another one. And I looked down. And I'm surrounded by yellow jackets. Thousands. Well, like five. Okay. But it felt like thousands. <laughs> so I ran over a, a yellow jacket nest. So uh, that was not a fun experience. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. Uh, beyond that, uh, I got to do this cool thing. I did uh, some voiceover work. 
Uh, really? Yeah, uh, a couple of friends of ours uh, at Freddy Cat Productions here in Morristown. Yeah. Um, Ashley and TJ. Yeah, uh, they, they're they doing some uh, local commercial work. Uh, I don't know how much I can say about it. I was kind of sworn to secrecy. Yeah. But uh, they had me come in and do some voiceover work. And the character that I voiced is actually something that uh, I, they thought of me when they, they thought of this character for a reason. We'll so he's a bad that. guy. Well, we didn't say that. He's a heel. From a certain point of view, I guess. Uh, but no, it's, it, I've seen the, the finished product. It's great. Uh, and when it's out and about, I'll, I'll talk about it again. But Freddy Cat Productions, they do commercials uh, for individuals and businesses and uh, film and all that stuff. So uh, if you're ever in need of anything like that, hit them up. Oh, and yeah. the greatest thing of all. Emma has a new favorite word. My daughter, she has a favorite new word. What is it? Poop. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> and it's it's not like, hey, Dad, I I, I pooped. She just she, says it. she just likes the word poop. Huh? Just, Poop. <laughs> Poop. So. I know she's saying wolf too. Doggy goes woof. She's oof. yeah. Well, she was kind of. It seemed like she was behind on talking for a little bit, and. Mm. Uh, all of a sudden, she's got like this big, massive vocabulary. So, well, good. Yeah, it's something good. new every day. So, how about you? What's going on in Tyler's world? Well, we are, uh, you know, in the heat of it with rehearsals. I uh, did have a little bit of a setback uh, Wednesday night during rehearsal. I sprained my foot, um, not my ankle, my foot, and had to go to the doctor the next morning. And uh, he gave me a shot in my foot. And it was the weirdest thing on the face of the planet I yeah. have ever felt. It was yeah. painful, but the first reaction was, whoa. <laughs> like they're putting a needle in my foot. Uh, it was swollen. It was ugly. And it was So I've been off of it for the past few days. I had to sit out of rehearsal, which for a theater nerd like myself, that's yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, but I feel rested. I feel good. Mm. Uh, swelling's gone down. Uh, we start tech week tomorrow. Nice. At 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, as those theater nerds call it, Heck Week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're real, we open next weekend. And nice. uh, that's pretty much been it. You know, Tech Week, work, and uh, family stuff. And yeah. Hanging out with you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what more could you want? <laughs> I know. That just goes to show the theaters that it can be a dangerous place to oh, be. Oh, yeah. So don't come around there unless you're a real tough guy. Yeah. yeah tough guy. Yeah. So... so um, you talked about what we're doing this week. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, nice. We watched it today. We did. it. I hadn't seen it in uh, at least a couple years or so. And I'd never seen the extended edition. I don't know where you've been for the past Just in the regular years. edition. <laughs> <laughs> Missing like 20 extra minutes of goodness. But that's right. We, we sat down today. We watched The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, we we are gonna tell you all about it, and we got some questions from mm-hmm. some yes, friends. We uh, we're gonna talk about all that. Uh, I I wanted to mention again something I spoke about uh, two or three episodes ago. There's this cool charity event going on called Pops for Patients, where you can donate uh, child friendly boxed pops to comic book stores in the area, and they are donating those to kids in East Tennessee Children's Hospital, and that's a great thing. Uh, so I went out to Knoxville this past week with David, who designs our logo. Shout out to David, Armano. And uh, we uh, went to donate some pops at Tall Man 
comics. Call Man Toys and Comics? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Uh, I had a great conversation uh, with the guys there. Uh, It's a great place to go. Tons of pops. Um, I actually walked away without buying anything this time because I've got uh, a trip coming up that i got to keep the funds for, but I will be going (laughs) back over there. Uh, But it was... was it was uh, great to see that lots of people had been there to donate. So if you're somebody who collects pops and, you know, maybe you got some that you think, eh, I could part with that and a kid might like it, please consider donating it. It'd be a great thing. Absolutely. And actually, uh, Tall Man Toys and Comics gave us a shout out. Mm-hmm. They took a picture of you and David while you were there. Right. And uh, uh, Carter Howard, I believe is the guy's name, okay. uh, tagged us and, you know, Appreciate thanked that. it. And yeah. uh, it was really cool. So if you were in the Knoxville area... Stop by that comic store, uh, give Carter a shout out, and take some pops. Yeah. Donate. It yeah. really is a great cause. If you look at the picture, you'll see that I am holding the the Disney pops. Shocker. Yeah. I did that. Well, it was Star Wars and Disney stuff, and I thought, because no, I figured... Disney. Star Wars is Disney, so... Okay, but like Maui and Olaf and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, the other ones I would say, I held the Star Wars pops, even though they're Disney, they're still Star Wars. Well, no, not anymore. It's all Disney. Okay, this is not Nerd Court 2. <laughs> dun dun. <sighs> Goodness. So, can you talk nerdy to me for a minute? Absolutely, man. I will talk nerdy to you. So, um, I kind of kept it a little bit on theme for this week. Because, you know, the Shire, the Shirelings are called halflings. Right. So, I created a nerd word, nerdling. And what that is, is it is defined as a young nerd from ages 12 and under. I'll use it as an example. My little nephew is already turning out to be such a cute nerdling with all the Batman stuff I'm buying him. So use that in a sentence, especially if you're talking about younger brothers or sisters under the age of 12, nerdling. Yeah, we might have a nerdling or two that listens to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's hence why we have to keep our mouths clean. <laughs> right. Uh, and so should we recommend some things to the people? Yes. It's, Let, our, our, it's our, favorite, our, our favorite segment. And we like to call it, Whatcha Watching? Except this week... We're not watching anything. <laughs> it should be what you listening, listening to. to. So, you know, if you're a fan of podcasts, which clearly you are because you're listening to this one. Yes. Uh, we have a couple of recommendations for you of some podcasts that you might enjoy. You want to go ahead, Todd? Uh, sure. Um, obviously, I've been listening to a lot of my good friend David uh, and Tim, their podcast, Johnny Has the Keys. Mm-hmm. Now, it is a podcast all about all the great sci-fi and horror genre films, TV, books out there. They break it down. They've been doing a really great job. Lately, they've done this whole anthology of the Haunting of Hill House show right. on Netflix, and it's great stuff, but only if you've seen it. Don't listen to their stuff if you have not seen what they're talking about because they'll spoil it for you. Um, but they got some great stuff on like Alien and The Haunting of Hill House and Halloween, and I know there's going to be an Evil Dead one coming up. Because David actually worked on the movie Evil Dead. Right. So check that one out. Johnny Has the Keys. And the other one I really love listening to, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, it's not really for children. It's uh, the comic book men, Walt and uh, Brian. And they are joined by Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers. Q. 
and it's called Tell Em Steve Dave. And if you're a Jay and Silent Bob fan, like me, you know exactly where that comes from. Uh, those are my two recommendations. Johnny Has the Keys and Tell Em Steve Dave. Great. All right, Dr. Davis, what are you listening to? So, uh, I, I wanted to recommend this anyway, and I hope that my brother-in-law Billy is listening because he would really enjoy this one too. So, uh, it's called Inside Star Wars. It's a limited series about the origin of Star Wars, uh, like the, the production of the movie and everything. Like Blue Harvest? Um, no. Um, no. Uh, it's sort of like an audio book. Okay. You know, like most podcasts are conversations and all that. Yeah. This is like an audiobook. This guy kind of tells the story from the perspective of George Lucas, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, all of them. He talks about all the struggles that George Lucas went through when he was trying to get the movie going. Nobody would take it seriously. Everybody thought it was going to be this silly, stupid little thing. And then, you know, they were all wrong and it turned out to change film as we know it. Um, yeah. But it's really, really good. You know, the movie almost didn't get made. Yeah. His budget got cut a hundred times. There were all these big egos on the set. Uh, the droids didn't get along. Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels, R2 and 3PO, they hated each other. So there was that. Alec Guinness didn't want to be there. They had to double his pay. <laughs> Crazy stuff. It's really enjoyable. It's called Inside Star Wars. I think it's going to be a seven-episode series, and they just released five. That's pretty intriguing. Yeah. Um, I did not know that about the droids. Oh, yeah. getting along. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there was a lot of method acting in 3PO hitting R2. <laughs> Probably movies. so. It's my favorite part of the day, kicking the droid. <laughs> kicking the droid. Shut up, R2. <laughs> but uh, that is uh, what we've been listening to. And uh, what do you say we get into some news? Sounds good to me. All right. Your nerd news for the week. Not a whole lot this week. A couple of the bigger items on the list. Hunger Games. Never thought we'd have to talk about this ever again. But apparently, Suzanne Collins Mm -hmm. is releasing a prequel novel set 60 years before the original Hunger Games novels that we didn't grow up reading, but the generation under us grew up reading. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've already secured the movie rights. Why wouldn't you? Well, I guess, you know, why wouldn't you? It's going to um, be a hit. I mean, sure. no matter no matter what it is, I'm not a huge fan myself, but I'm telling you it's going to be popular. I well, mean, that's especially no way around think, it. I think it has the opportunity to be even more popular without sweet little Jennifer Lawrence in it. Right. Um, that's Katniss. I, I, maybe they'll, I, they'll... Okay, I'm going to show that I did watch the movies mm-hmm. in saying this. Maybe they'll show the destruction of what was the area that got the they got destroyed, like uh, Area 13 or something like that. Oh, her district? Yeah, not yeah. her district. Not 12, but they made Oh, uh, yeah, the secret one. Yeah, yeah the secret one. Saying. Maybe yeah, this yeah. is it. Maybe this is when it happened. Right, right. So, or maybe Could this be. is when the first Hunger Games or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know much about it. All mm-hmm. I know is it's happening. And we'll see from there. I read the books and I saw the movies, but I was just never really yeah. a huge fan of that. But uh, what do you got? Well, exciting news for you, Harry Potter fans. The Harry Potter uh, app, Wizards Unite, I believe, is the uh, the name of the game uh, that released like two days ago. Yeah, and it did. it's already created a lot of buzz. I did start playing it myself. Uh, 
I haven't really figured it out yet. It's basically Pokemon Go, but... Yeah, it's that augmented reality right. app. Similar, you know, type of deal. You, you know, walk around and there's little stops you can go to and you can pick things up and you see, like, little things pop up to have a battle. Like, kind of like how a Pokemon would pop up and you would touch it to try to catch it. Mm-hmm. On this, you touch something and you have to cast a spell on it. I really can't figure it out, but... I only played about 15 minutes. The story of this is set far off in the future. So Harry Potter is a grown-up. Okay. And you create your own witch or wizard. Yes. But I'm I'm guessing that a lot of true Harry Potter fans are going to be displeased with one thing about this game. What is that? So you get to set up your profile and what house you're going to be in at Hogwarts or what house you were in because I guess you're an adult. And all this, and you put in your wand information. I chose my wand. No, no, no. That's not how it goes, Right, right. The wand chooses the wizard, Mr. Potter. Well, not in this world it doesn't, because I designed my own wand, which was cool, and I liked that. But at the same time, that's not how it works. Nope, that's not. So, just think about that. Send an angry letter. Wizards unite. (laughs) So, and then we've got the, uh, the end game. For old time's sake, huh? Ah, yes. Exciting news about <laughs> end game. We got the word this week. <laughs> ah, I thought we would get rid of that Never. song. <laughs> uh, it's, the movie's going to be re-released in theaters next yeah. week, which I'm excited to hear. But at yes. the same time, I thought, I didn't know that it had left theaters yet. I didn't either, to be yeah. honest. I thought it was still there. So maybe it was still there, but they're just starting this new version of it that has extended footage. Are they like 20 minutes, I, I think? I think I saw something that said yeah. 20 minutes, which it's already a long movie, yeah. but hey, more is fine with me. The more, the yeah. merrier. And it so. gives us an even bigger chance to take its stake as the number one film right. in, the, in the world. Yeah. And uh, in the history yeah. of the world. Um, so, and it's well deserved. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting, especially for us nerds. Yeah. Um, we need to go see it again. I would like to. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and I know that there are a lot of times where we talk Marvel, and I cannot help but bring in something DC. And I have to mention this because mm-hmm. even you've got to be excited about this. Batman himself is getting his own Hollywood Walk of Fame star. He gets his own star, the Cape Crusader. Right. Not the people playing him, but Batman as an icon gets his own star. Yeah, makes and sense. I it's mean, eighty years. Yeah, it's been eighty years since Batman came out, and it's about time. Huge part of pop culture. Absolutely, with cinema some, history. With some people who get stars, you're like, just now. He's just now getting a star yeah, compared to some people who get him. We heard on a podcast that the both of us listened to. Did you people know? Carrie Fisher does not have a star it's in Hollywood. It's an abomination, the fact that she does not have a star. I mean, that's oh, pretty it's shocking. It's I... very shocking. And the the that town or like whoever is in charge of all that said that if it's a post-mortem star, they, they wait five years after death before they allow a celebrity Right to go in if they've died, but there's current celebrities still alive who get their sure, star. and that's great. And I I can sort of see why you might want to say, well, 
we like to wait a little bit after someone has passed because you don't want it to seem like, oh, we're putting them on there just because they died, yeah. right? So, you know, I get that part of it too, but I'm thinking Star Wars came out in 1977. Absolutely. Why is Carrie... Princess Leia. Everyone knows Princess Leia. Absolutely. The, the hairdo is iconic. The slave Leia costume is iconic. Absolutely. So what's the deal? I don't understand. Do the others have stars? Hamill has one. I'm sure Harrison Ford Harrison does. Harrison Ford's got one. So, so why not? I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, it's terrible. Someone should write an angry letter about that. They absolutely should. Um, so Maybe I will. That's all I got. I mean, hey. there are some other small things, but we'll be sharing that on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and stuff like that through the rest of the weekend and beginning of next week. Um, but as for now, that is this week's Nerd News. It's summertime. Join us on the romantic island of Calicari and Encore Theatrical's hit show, Mamma Mia. This show is full of energy and sure to get you dancing. Mamma Mia is presented through special arrangement with Musical Theater International. Performances are June 28th through the 30th and July 5th through the 7th. Friday and Saturday start at 8 p.m. and Sundays are at 2 p.m. This show will be held in the James D. Swan Performing Arts Center at Jefferson County High School in Dandridge, Tennessee. You can reserve your tickets by calling 423-318-8331. For more information, you can like Encore Theatrical on Facebook or check them out at www.etcplays.org. We hope to see you there where it's not just theater, it's Encore. You know, after watching the Fellowship of the Ring today, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be so cool if the members of the Fellowship all had matching shirts? Yes, it would. You know, like, you know, Team Frodo, or like, hashtag Fellowship, right? I I roll with the ring bearer. That too. But, you know, if Frodo and his friends had come to Morristown, Mm -hmm. they could probably have done that. Uh, Because we have a great friend over at Advertising Expressions named Zach, and he can do all sorts of custom things like that. He can make shirts for your fellowship, your church, your workplace, your school, your anything you want, your whole family. So contact Zach at 423-586-3270. You can find him at 2103 Morningside Drive in Morristown, Tennessee. And his website is www.advertising-expressions.com. And tell him those nerds at 30 Nerdy sent you and he'll get you taken care of. And we're back. You know, funny story about Zach is he sent us an email, right? Yeah. And it actually has to do with Lord of the Rings. Like, he has, like, I have a story behind this, you know, and we had talked about it, and we actually feel like we need to tell this story. Yeah. So you've got it in front of you, mm-hmm. So and you're the English major. Yeah, uh, yeah. So why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you read out the story that Zach sent? Uh, okay, I'm going to read a part of, this, of the story. Uh, this is a really exciting email, actually. Uh, but basically, he starts out by telling us that he used to not really like the Lord of the Rings. And automatically, I'm like... <gasps> blasphemy Um, so uh, but here's his story the first Lord of the Rings came out around my 20th birthday 2001 being a big hit and the movie nerd that I am I wanted to go see it my best friend Justin and I decided to celebrate my birthday by going to dinner and a movie well Justin isn't all that punctual to begin with so we were running late 
and then after that our dinner took slightly longer than expected. So we finished up and went to the show. We got there, bought the tickets, walked in, found our seats, and the first scene I remember was the guys walking into Bilbo's house after a party of some sort, is all I knew. As a side note, it is a huge pet peeve of mine to walk in late to a movie to the point that I didn't really want to go because I didn't want to miss anything. I agree with that. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there. Uh, anyway, I had no idea what the real importance of the ring was, what it did, where it came from, nothing. All we knew was a couple of guys had to take this ring to a bad place to destroy it, and it was going to take 12 more hours or two movies or however awfully long they were collectively to do it. Again, because I'm a movie nerd, I went and saw the others, even though I didn't like the first one to begin with. I didn't go back and watch the first one, because why watch something that wasn't great, right? Sort of like The Last Jedi, right, Tyler? <laughs> Lord. I knew I was in the minority, but I was okay with that, because in my opinion, the whole thing just didn't make sense. Okay, so that's the end of the story, that part of the story. And I think a lot of people would agree, like, oh, it just doesn't make sense to me, I don't get yeah. it, right? So he goes on to say... he. A friend of his asked him to watch it again. He's like, why am I going to sit there for 12 hours and watch something that I don't even like? But he decided to do it anyway, and he saw that first 15 or 20 minutes that explains the origin of the ring and talks about Sauron and all that stuff. And then he absolutely fell in love with it to the point that when he had to get a new wedding ring, he got to get a replica of the one ring. Nice. That is so cool. That, and that, that just goes to show that, like, just the... Can't believe I'm going to say this. Those small details at the beginning that he missed oh, yeah. changed his entire opinion. Pretty important, those deets, aren't they? Yeah, New Line did a great job yeah. with those details. Yeah, they did. Uh, I, did, I agree. Uh, but, uh, you know, at my wedding, mm-hmm. uh, when Becky put the ring on my finger, she looked at me and said, one ring to rule them all. I was flabbergasted. I was like, "This is the right. (laughs) This is the right choice." (laughs) So, yeah, Lord of the Rings is huge for me. It's a huge, huge part of my life. I've loved it since I was, gosh, ten, eleven years old. I'm a child. Yes. Um, Thanks for the story, Zach. That's yeah. That was fun. That's fun. So, speaking of the rings, uh, we're gonna get into break it down. That's right, we are breaking down the Fellowship of the Ring. Just the first one, we're not going to do the other two this time. I'm sure yes. we'll get to that in the future. And we are doing the movie, right. not the book. Right. Um, and it could be a long discussion, a nice little lengthy discussion. And if you don't like that, well, you can take a long walk off a of short Mount Doom. to do so, you know... Sorry, I don't have a real sound effect for that. <laughs> the one thing you don't have <laughs> The only thing I don't have. So, Add you know, that to the list. We open with um, the the Elven speech, Galadriel talking, and she's talking about the One Rings, okay? And there's a funny story behind this. You bet Becky at one point in your all's relationship that you could quote it. Yeah, pretty much. For a long time, and you yeah. got all the way to Bree. I she, I think it was about 20 minutes or so around the Bree area where I finally yes. messed up. So wow. this was one of those movies that, as a kid, I watched over oh, and over yeah. and over again. And it really started because we had Stars, the movie channel, yeah. uh, at my mom's house. And I had seen Fellowship of the Ring in the theaters, and I liked it or whatever, but, you know... 
I wasn't as into it as I later was because it was just the one time that I saw it. And to be honest, I didn't understand a lot of it. So it came on stars and I, it just came on over and over like every other day or so. And I would just turn it on and watch it over and over again. And then it just kind of grew into this. Yes. Yeah. So that's how I knew so much of it. I mean, how impressed was Becky when you got that far in? I don't know if she was impressed or (laughs) worried. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's something that I'm proud of. Don't act like you're not impressed. (laughs) Some people would be impressed. Uh, So we open with the story of the ring. Um, and then how they were created, you know, nine to the realm of men, three to the elves, and was it seven to the dwarf lords? Mm-hmm. Yes. And one was created in secret. Lord Sauron, the dark lord Sauron, created one to control them all. One ring to rule them all. Yeah, he was a bad dude. He was. And we kind of touched on this, you know, before the podcast. Um, what do you think Sauron looked like before he put the metal helmet on and he's this big tall metal creature i mean do you think he from some of the artwork um that i have seen and uh, different things like that he sort of almost looked like an elf you know very long hair yes yeah. like a, a magical being almost like an elf or a wizard or something okay. like that yeah. so not like a human like me and you but no i don't think so something maybe like elrond just a little darker perhaps possibly Alright, so he creates this ring to control them all, and the last alliance of men and elves mm-hmm. have to fight him right? to save Middle-earth, basically. And um, I actually enjoyed this. I enjoyed this opening. Um, it wasn't so action-packed that you didn't see story. Mm-hmm. There was just enough fighting. Uh, mm-hmm. And the story of Isildur and... You know, the king dying and Isildur picking up the broken blade. One important theme throughout this entire trilogy, and I would say especially in this first one, is, you know, redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, men, they're, they've, they've had really, really strong moments and moments where they've, you know, done great heroic things. And then yep. they've had moments where they've hit hit the bottom and, you know, made yeah. some bad choices. And Isildur right here, this is a big moment. He's defeating Sauron. He cuts the ring off of his hand, mm-hmm. and he takes that ring as a little trophy for himself, right? Yeah. And he's given the chance to destroy it, mm-hmm. but he and doesn't. Here's the fall of man. Men, men yeah. can be weak. Uh, Galadriel said, the hearts of men are easily corrupted. Yes. And this is the start of it right here. So, and, and, you know, a lot of it can, this was 2001 when the movie's released, and you know, years ago when the books right. released, and still to this day, the hearts of men are easily corrupted. Forever. Forever, yeah. you know. Um, so after all that, you know, the ring was lost. You know, Isildur keeps it as a trophy, and he's you know, wants to keep it for himself, the ring of power. But karma hits. The ring had other plans. Yes. So the, the ring, ring is kind of an entity. You have to look at the ring as a character in mm-hmm. itself. Yes. You know, and something that the movie does is it, the ring kind of whispers sometimes. And mm-hmm. if someone's starting to feel like they're tempted by the ring, it might speak their name because the ring wants to take people so that it can or take a hold of people yeah, and them. corrupt them and twist yes. them. But it wants to get back to Sauron. The yes. ring and Sauron are one. Mm-hmm. So that ring is trying everything it can to get back to him. So, you know, this thing happens where it slips off of Isildur's uh, finger in the in the river. And he's down there looking for it. And he's seen because he was by invisible. Yeah, right. So when the ring orcs. falls off his finger, they can see him. They shoot him. They kill him. Yeah. He's done. 
And for how long did it sit at thousands, the bottom of that water? Thousands, thousands of years. Two and a half thousand something years. Something like that. It sat at the bottom of that water until Smeagol. Mm-hmm. Well, Deagle and Smeagol. Right. Find it. And then it finds a new host. Right. And it turns good old sweet Smeagol into Gollum. Right. Which we'll discuss more later. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my favorite characters. And then we <laughs> see, you know, the events of the Hobbit yes. happen, which is a totally separate thing. And then Bilbo has the ring. Yes. And he keeps it, and he doesn't really abuse it, use it too no. much. No, uh, he doesn't. So he's, the only effect it's really having on him is that it's it's giving him a very long life, and he's not aging. That's the one effect. The way that a normal hobbit should. Right, that the ring has on him. So, so we get to the Shire. Right. Okay, and I gotta, first off, I gotta say, the Shire alone is some of my favorite visual. Yeah. I mean, it's this Celtic, beautiful green area, and it was all filmed in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 99% of it was filmed in New Zealand but yeah. it's this beautiful area and I used to like always wonder like oh you know if, if Shirelings and Hobbits and all that were equivalent to today's people you know what would they be and then today it hit me it was like I think Hobbits would be like our Appalachian people no I think <laughs> yeah, so and like just actually from the earth and <laughs> I wrote well, down I basically grew up in the Earth version of the Shire. Of the Shire. Okay, I really did. <laughs> in Union County. So the Shire is supposed to represent home, you know? Yes. And for me, it really does kind of seem like home because I grew up in this, you know, it's called Sharps Chapel. Most people have never heard of it. It's like an hour away from Morristown. You know... Well, now Brad Pitt's character in that movie, Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. is from where you grew up. He's from uh, the local town, like the where the school town. was, yeah, yeah Maynardville. Uh, and Sharp Chapel is even far off, farther off from that. It's but it's Shire, like, you basically. know, there's lots of hills, and people have their cows and their farms, and they sit out on no the porch. Shoes. And, yeah, and they, you know, are peeling vegetables and smoking pipes and, you know, all that kind of thing. So it's really what it was the like Shire, for me. And everybody yeah. knows everybody, and they all yeah. like to have a good time. So that's the shot. That was the equivalent. Like, you know, I thought it's very Appalachian. Right. Like what people, or what younger us saw the Appalachian as, or what Northerners might have seen Appalachian as, is I would look at that as the Shire. So the Shire is in full, they're always farming, they're always living off the land, they're always having a good time. Peaceful, quiet place. Peaceful, quiet place. And it's Bilbo's birthday. 111 years old. 111. And Bilbo is... Not the main character of this story, but if you read The Hobbit before this, then you know Bilbo was the main character of that story. And he's turning 111 years old. And so they're getting ready for the party, and Gandalf shows up. And uh, Fun fact, the uh, first time you see Gandalf, uh, he's in the cart, and Frodo jumps in with him, and he says the thing about a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. That was Ian McKellen's legit first day of filming. Really? As Gandalf, yeah. And, oddly enough, his next day at work, he filmed his last scene as Gandalf. In he, the third movie. Yeah, he filmed the scene where he's, he's saying goodbye to the hobbits and they're all crying and everything, and he's Gandalf the White there. And so he's like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go say goodbye to all these hobbits that I've just I'm met. just met. You know? <laughs> so, like, today's schedule, we're going to do scene two of of movie two and then we're gonna go do scene three of movie one right and then we're that's very, what the filming of that yeah, movie and that's was what like. it was it's like a year and a half process doing all three movies all at once um all at once and not in chronological order right so 
that had to be fun. So basically, Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's, and you know, if speaking of the Hobbit. If you think about the difference in the scene right here, Gandalf knocking on the door and Bilbo answering, compared to The Hobbit when Gandalf walks up and sees Bilbo sitting there, Bilbo wants nothing to do with Gandalf and The yeah. Hobbit. He's like, okay, well, good morning. Good you know, morning. Go away. And in this one, he's like, oh, Gandalf, I'm so Gandalf, happy to see you. Like, these guys have been through, through some stuff yes, together. Been through stuff yeah. together. Um, and he's talking about, you know, oh, all these people bothering me on my birthday, you know, presents and well wishes. And he's like, I just want to be left alone. I want to see mountains again, Gandalf. Yeah. And you kind of, between their discussion, realize that Bilbo is planning something. He's leaving. Right. He's got this big, grand idea to leave the Shire finally. One last adventure. And he's leaving Frodo, his house. Everything. And they talk a little about Frodo, and, you know, it's very clear to Bilbo that Frodo loves home. He wants mm-hmm. to stay in the Shire and, you know, hang out, read books. He's not looking for any great big adventure or anything like that, which is what really makes him an unlikely hero. But yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. So well, they, have, like Bilbo. they have this big party for Bilbo, and he pulls off this ultimate prank. He gets up on the stage, and he says, all right. I'll see y'all later. Bye bye. And he puts the well. We know that he put the ring we on. They don't. The ring on. So yes. he puts the ring on. He disappears and he sneaks out. He has one last encounter with Gandalf. And there's one of those jump jump moments that I hate in movies. The jump scares when he has the ring on the floor there and Gandalf goes to reach for it and the eye pops up. Eye goes, oh yeah. Um, before we move forward, actually one of my favorite moments is at the party. Oh, really? Yes. It's the fireworks scene with Mary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're trying to shoot off a, the, the granddaddy firework, the right. finale. And, you know, you've got that whole back and forth. You know, Mary's like, you're supposed to put it in the ground. It's like, hey, Pippin's like, it is in the ground. You know, and <laughs> it you was said, your idea. You had a fun fun fact is that they had to do take after take yeah. of Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin. He kept screaming. When you can hear it. Yeah. It's, ah. Uh, this really loud high-pitched yes, scream that he does. He, Billy Boyd, who plays him, just could not stop screaming. They kept saying, you know, try it without the scream. Don't do not do the scream. It was an illegitimate and he just couldn't do it. scream that yeah. he would let out. Um, but back at the back at uh, Bilbo's house, you know. Bag end. Bag end. He has left the ring. And that visual of when he leaves the ring, he just drops it to the floor. Oh, yeah. Normally a ring would like roll around, mm-hmm. kind of like a quarter or something. But this just, boom, boom, like dropping a brick. The, yes, and it really shows that visualization of how heavy the ring is. This ring is. And when Bilbo walks out the door and he takes a deep breath, it's like he's a new man. He, this huge weight has yeah. been lifted off of his shoulders, and he just he can just start all over. That's yeah. kind of what it seems like. It really is. You know, he just lets out a sigh and goes, I thought of an end to my book, and mm-hmm. he starts singing his way to wherever he wants to go. Right. And... Frodo shows up right mm-hmm. after Bilbo's left. And Gandalf's like, he's left you back end and all of his possessions. And also this, this terrible thing. <laughs> needs to stay in an envelope, keep it secret, keep it safe. I've right. got to go talk to someone. I'll see you later. He comes back. He tells Frodo this terrifying story about how this ring is like the, the worst thing on the place of the It's the, the Middle Earth weapon of mass destruction. Yes, exactly. And it is in poor little Frodo's hands. And now he's... We've got to get the, you to 
first go to the village right. of Bree. I'll got, meet you there. He's got the job of carrying that thing. Yes. And before he leaves, though, we get that whole, like, Sam's dropping eaves. Yes. And that's uh, another favorite scene. We meet our dear friend Sam. Sam Sam, Sam is an old soul because they yes. there's the scene where they're all hanging out in the pub and they're singing songs and dancing. But Sam's over there. The old, he's, old guys. Yeah, he's hanging with the old dudes hearing, you know, stories and all the gossip yeah. about what's going on out in the world. And, yeah. You know, they're oh, He's not everybody should just partying. Yeah, everybody should just stay out of trouble and yeah. you know whatever. Just be a hobbit. Yeah. And you've met Sean Aston, who I plays have. Samwise. He's a very Sweet very guy. nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen this, it's Rudy from uh, the movie Rudy and Bob from Stranger Things too. Right. Um, so he, Gandalf sees him sneaking around. He throws him into the house and he's like, "You've been dropping Eve so much, Gumgee," and he's like. Basically having to recruit Sam in. You know, Sam doesn't want to be turned into anything unnatural. Yeah, but even if he didn't threaten him, though, I think he still would have gone along. Yeah, and, you know, he cares for Mr. Frodo. And yeah. so basically he sends them on their way. And while they're on their way to uh, the village of Bree, which is where he sends him, uh, he goes to talk to the head of his order, Saruman. Yeah. Saruman the White. Yeah. The Wise, as he calls him. Mm-hmm. Funny fact, in the... Or not funny, but cool fact. In the books, when we realize that Saruman is really a bad guy, he says that he's Saruman of many colors. Ooh. Yeah. I think they should have put that in the movie. That's, I wish they that's had. pretty good. Yeah. The Saruman of many colors. Um, So they have their own little fight. He realizes that his best friend of Lord knows how long has betrayed them and joined Sauron's ranks. And, I mean, well, I mean, Christopher Lee can never really be a good guy. The I don't think you, so. You know... If you haven't read the books, the minute you see him as Saruman, you're like, this guy's bad. Yeah. Like, it's his voice, his, the way he carries himself. Uh, so he betrays Gandalf. They have this old man stick fight. <laughs> um, no! And uh, he basically sends him to the top of his tower. Yeah. Uh, in exile. And he's elected a way of pain, as he says it. And so then we flash over and... They're at Farmer Maggot's crop, crops, and they run into Merry and Pippin. Troublemakers. Uh, yes. Uh, but I love them together. Of course. Great. And basically that brings them into the fold, and we encounter our first black rider. Yeah. And He's down there kind of sniffing around, because he can sense the ring is close is by. It's close by. Frodo almost puts it on, and that yes. would have been bad news. Sam saves for... him from putting it on. <laughs> that would have been like, end of the movie right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by it's the way, over. we lost. Yeah. Um, but I gotta tell you, man, I probably would have jumped out of that hole because when he's sniffing, he's making all these nasty bugs crawl all over him, spiders yeah. and centipedes, and I'd have probably lost it. It would have been tough. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they send a distraction and they get away, and they get to Bree. Right. And we get to the village, and it's a rough crowd. Yeah, they walk into the Prancing Pony, like the inn there, and it automatically made me think of the cantina scene in Star Wars because there's all oh, these yeah. questionable looking, you know, rough people. Ragged people, yeah, rangers hanging on there. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, speaking of rangers, we do see Strider mm-hmm. uh, in the corner smoking his pipe, watching yep. the hobbits. He knows who they are. He's a friend of Gandalf's. He knows what's going on. Yes. And something happens, and Frodo accidentally puts on the ring. Mm-hmm. He he falls and yeah. it like falls out of his pocket and he slides on, his, on finger. his finger. Because um, Pippin's over there running his mouth, telling everybody, "Hey, my buddy Frodo over yeah. there. And He's my cousin. They're <laughs> looking for him." Yeah. So, um, and so he sees the eye while he's in the void. Yeah, 
and it scares him out of the ring. Right, because every time that you put the ring on, you sort of enter that world and the void, the shadow realm, you might say, and when it's put on, Sauron is automatically drawn to it. His eye goes to where where this yes. is happening, and anyone who's sort of a servant of Sauron, they're drawn to it too. So mm-hmm. this is bringing the ring rates to bring to yeah. Um, and so Strider grabs him after he takes the ring back off. Strider grabs him, take him up to his room. The hobbits follow, and there's this, you can't wait for the wizard, you have to go with me. Gives him a good talking to, because yeah, they're kind of, you know, messing around here, and he's there. like, this is serious business, buddy, you can't be... You don't be... know what you carry. Yeah. You don't know the evil that you carry, and the people that are after you. You can no longer wait for the wizard Frodo. And this basically brings Aragorn into the fold and says, you're coming with me. Right. We're going to Rivendell, and which is the house of Lord Elrond. Right, right. by... Um, Hugo Weaving. Yes. And if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, you would know him as basically Agent Smith from The Matrix Mm -hmm. Um, in the Shia LaBeouf series of Transformers. He voiced Megatron. Yeah, he did. Um, V for Vendetta. Oh, yes, he was V. Uh, So during the trek with Strider to Rivendell, uh, he, you know. The Red Skull. Oh, he is the Red Skull. The first Red Skull. Right. He's not in Infinity War and Endgame. Right. That's actually the guy from Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so during this trek, you know, he gets them, gives them some swords, you know, I guess just to protect themselves. And we get to Amon Sul, the Watchtower. Weathertop. Weathertop, basically. And, uh, you know, they're, Frodo's asleep, finally, because before that we saw, oh, I won't, get, I won't sleep much. But this is Frodo finally getting some sleep. And Sam, Mary, and Pippin are recklessly... Having a picnic Hobbits with like a bonfire and being loud and like, yeah. oh, we've got tomatoes and mushrooms and we've got all this and nice bacon. crispy bacon. Yeah. And uh, his Frodo freaks out. And he's like, put out the put out the fire, you fools! Well, that attracts the Black Riders. And so we get this terrifying scene. And I'm pretty sure that it was a background of yours for a little bit, like. Maybe on your laptop or Xbox or something. It was the Hobbit surrounded by the... Was it you that had that? But it might have been... Uh, couldn't tell you. I swear I've seen it on someone's backdrop, background. It's a cool, or it's a cool uh, yeah, it image. Yeah, the though. image of the four of them with their swords yeah. out. And the Black Rider surrounding them at Weathertop. Sure. Um, so they, att- they attempt to ward them off. And it doesn't work. Yeah, and then poor Frodo puts the ring on, which was a bad yes. idea. Terrible idea. And uh, the Witch King, the leader of the the Nazgul, the Black Riders, he stabs him with this blade. And this blade can, like, it's almost like a poisonous blade. Mm -hmm. And it, the pieces of it fall apart in your body and they start start trying to cut towards your heart. Turn you into a wraith. And they want to turn you into a wraith. So he would be similar to the ring wraiths. Yes. Um, Which is bad. Morgul blade. Yeah. And so... It's like, luckily, but unfortunately, terrible and good timing at the same time, Strider shows up yeah. to save them with a torch and a sword. You're like, 30 seconds yeah, late, man. a little late. Um, and I have written in my notes here, nice throw, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, at the end, when he throws the torch it's right the into the Nazgul's square face. Square in the face. Square in the face. Um, so, after all this, we get this, like... You know, we're at this flash over to Isengard scene again. And Gandalf's on top of of Isengard Tower. It's raining. He's weak. Or think. 
Orthanc, yes, Orthanc. Um, and a moth comes up and talks to him. The little, you know, the little moth flies. Uh, and he just talks to him and sends him on his way. And, you know, through that we get this vision of the moth flying through the caverns of Isengard. And we're seeing what Saruman is up to. He's basically growing an army. And killing trees and burning them and, you know, creating weapons for Sauron. Build me an army. Yeah. You know. And it's just the wildest thing. Then they're digging these Urukai out of the ground. Yeah, that's they breed them in these yeah. little mud pits. Yes. Yeah. Um and they're a cross They're of... a cross of orcs and goblins. Yes. And they turn out to be these big, huge, strong, uh, it's an orc, basically, they're called Urukai. And what's good about them, for their purposes, is that they can travel in the daytime. Yes. And orcs like like the dark, so yeah. they don't do that, really. They don't get tired. Yeah. They don't get hungry. You know, they just hunt. Um, and so, we just get a little view of that. And... Um, Flashback over to the other company, and we've got Frodo's hurt. He's being poisoned by this blade, and Strider's got him and the other hobbits, and, you know, they're at the trolls that are from the Hobbit, and they don't know what to do. So they're looking for a small weed that'll help and all that. But then an elven rider shows up, mm -hmm. and we find out that it's the very beautiful Lady Arwen, mm -hmm. uh, played by Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm who is the daughter of Aerosmith's front man, Steven Tyler. Yes. She uh she had a, a Marvel movie. She was wasn't she uh, She was in uh, the, the Incredible Hulk. Hulk. The bad no, Hulk. she no, was the, in the she was in the Mark the no, Edward Norton. Edward Norton one. She was yeah. in the Edward Norton one. She so, was in the Okay Hulk. The Okay Hulk. Not the best Hulk, but not the bad Hulk. Yeah. Um and she was in Air, um what is it? Armageddon. Yes. Yes. Um, about the same time of this movie. Yeah. Out. So, uh, basically, she's found them in the wilderness. I've got to get him to father, which is Elrond, and he can heal him. Mm -hmm. And we get this nice little horse chase scene with the Nazgul chasing after her. Right. Heading to Rivendell. And another one of my favorite visuals is coming up. The, the Dell. You know, the water where right. she crosses the dale and they're like, give out the halfling, she elf. And she does this spell mm -hmm. of about, and I wish I could say the spell, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, and these water horses, like... Magic. Magic, yes. Bowl over the Nazgul. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember seeing this in the movie and be like, man, um, that was easy. They're gone. <laughs> but no, they come back. Not so much. Um so, I mean, did you enjoy this this part? Or? Yeah, that's a great scene. Um, it's That scene is interesting because there have been several different adaptations of it. Because in the book, it's a totally different elf who is only in that part of the story. Yes. In the old uh, 70s animated version, Legolas shows up at that point. And, and I think Legolas is in the book somewhere too, but they totally cut that other yeah, guy and, out. And, and now this one is our one. Fellowship video game, it's Haldir. Is it really? Yes, Haldir shows up. Hmm. And it's just, there's been many different people who are right. the Elven Rider. And I love that it, they gave this really awesome power moment to her when they say give up the halfling. She says, if you want him, come and claim him. Yeah. 
It's just she's very, a boss. She really is, and she's awesome. And so, and Arwen was not a big a big character in the books at all. No, so I think they gave her the star because it's Liv Tyler. Yeah, honestly, and maybe they were like, you know, let's well, let's put a heroine in think, here. You know, this this story needed a good love story. You know, yeah. so that's why she's important. That's one of the reasons why she's important. Yeah, you know, is for that love story with herself and Aragorn that lasts throughout the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. So we needed that. So we get to Rivendell. Rivendell is such a Beautiful cool place. Man. If I could choose to live in one place in Middle Earth, it would be Rivendell. Absolutely. I would just chill out on the porch and read books and watch the waterfall and everything. Oh, and, it's, um, and the elves visually, it's beautiful. Really good food and everything. And they sing. Yeah. Beautifully. Sign me up. Absolutely. Uh, and not just we don't just find Elrond. Elrond saves Frodo. Gandalf's there. Mm-hmm. Rode in on that eagle. Son. Rode in on that eagle. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's telling Frodo the story, and basically the weird moth that he speaks to goes and finds Gwahir, the Lord of the Eagles. These giant, massive eagles. And he saved him from Isengard and brought him all the way to Rivendell. Right. And um, not just that, but who else is in Rivendell? Boromir from Gondor. And we have Legolas, the elf. He's the son of Thranduil. The council, if you will. Right. They've gathered a council. People from all over Middle-earth who are representing the free people. Yes. And, you know, Legolas, I was saying he's the son of Thranduil, who was, he was kind of... A jerk. Kind of a jerk in the Hobbit movies. He was the elf king there. Gimli, who's the son of one of the dwarves in The Hobbit as well. And um, they, first, they don't trust each other because there's a long history of the dwarves and the elves not liking each other. They've had wars here and there, I believe. Um, so it's kind of, eh, And I for think them. That, that goes back to a lot of mythos. Not just Lord of the Rings, but I mean, if you were to play, say, World of Warcraft, elves and dwarves don't get along. Right, sure. If you were to play any of those get mythical games, yeah. there's always this underlying elves and dwarves don't like each other. Yeah, and, and they make sure to point that out you know they're they're a little snippy with one another yep. here and there and all that so that's what makes their friendship later on that much more yeah, special because we know great. they started out not being buddies not being buddies and then they become very and close. uh so and during this count cal- before this council starts bilbo is in rivendell and he's right. old yeah just in the short time since he left the Shire, he's aged years. Without the ring, he's Without starting the to ring. sort of waste away now. And it's this kind of sad, cute moment at first. He's like, oh, Frodo. Yeah. You know, and it kind of also shows that it's been a long time. Yeah. Between him leaving the Shire and them getting to Rivendell. I mean, In the book, it's there's 17 years yeah. difference. Yeah. There, so. And uh, so we get the council. And... We've got, you know, dwarves, elves, men, and uh, basically they are deciding what we need to do. And everybody has a different idea of what to do. There are people saying we need to destroy it. We have Boromir who's, Boromir's having these nightmares about, you know, basically the the fall of Gondor, his home, you know, the downfall of men. Of men. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he sees that, because his city is like right across a river from Mordor, which is, you know, the bad place where all the bad guys are. 
So they're very close and they're constantly at war. And Gondor's holding Mordor off from the rest of the world. And yeah. he's having these dreams about the end of all that. And he just wants to save his people. He has the the best of intentions. He says, let's take this ring, let's use it, and let's go whoop Sauron's butt, right? Yeah, but, you know, that old adage, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. So through those good intentions, the ring would slowly destroy them. He doesn't really understand what the ring is and what it yeah. can do at this point. He just thinks it's a magical ring that can help. Right. And so, you know, they're all arguing and, and fussing and fighting and everything. And Frodo steps up and says, you know what? I'll, I'll take care of this. This was left to me. This is my burden to bear. Point me in the direction I need to go in. Yeah. And let's go. And so this scene sees us forming the fellowship. So I thought we would take this time to break down each member of that fellowship. Right. Not every character, just the nine. Yeah. All right, and kind of talk about what they bring to the table, what they represent, uh, stuff like that. And I thought, who better to start with than the ring bearer himself, uh, Frodo. Yeah, so Frodo is, like you said, the ring bearer. Um, he, I think, he sort of represents like purity and innocence. He is this, you know good little lad minding his own business in the shire he loves home he loves his friends he loves life mm -hmm. and now he's suddenly plunged into this terrible terrible thing but he's brave enough to say it's my well it's everybody's problem but yeah. it was really handed down to me it's my job to take care of this well almost like a, somebody has to bear it yeah and you all are going to argue yeah so somebody has to to do this thing and hobbits we found are pretty resilient to the effects of the ring yes not immune but it resilient yeah it takes a lot longer for them and i think to, it's due to their cheery demeanor i think so they're constant drinking and oh, smoking yeah, they, the pipe weed and, yeah and just happy-go-luckiness they and, live their best life for sure and he's really like proof that even the smallest of people can change the world right uh sam so, the best friend sam is if, if I had one word to describe Sam, it's loyal. Yes. He is loyalty always, through and through. He's, no matter what, he's there to help Frodo mm -hmm. at any personal cost, you know. Um, and he turns out to be, as we know, the true hero of the story. Absolutely. In my opinion. Absolutely. Mary. I sort of grouped Mary and Pippin together. Yeah. Because you kind of have to. <laughs> They're, yeah. They go together. Uh, I know I said innocence for Frodo, but it applies to them too. Innocence. Almost an obliviousness. They, they're, yeah, they, like they're they're just living their best life, having yeah. fun, and they don't think about all the dangers of the world beyond no. the Shire. It's like, they don't. Eh, whatever. But and, their arcs are almost also represent a growth. Right. You know, and finding your place and your bravery. Yes. Um, you definitely would group them together. And their the performances are great. Sure. Uh, so we then move on to... Gandalf. Gandalf is wisdom. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I have to. Uh, we said a long time ago something about Dumbledore, and I said anytime Dumbledore was around, I felt like everything's going to be all right. Absolutely. And that's how I felt about Gandalf. If yeah. Gandalf is there, no You're worries, because he safe. can t he can take care of anything that's going to come their way. So wisdom, he knows yes. everything. Absolutely. Aragorn, Strider. As he's called in this movie, he's he's the leader. He uh, bravery. He, he he makes the decisions. He is able to think on his feet. Um, he represents 
you know, I talked earlier about that theme of the fall of man and, and the greed of man and, you know, and he's, redemption he's, yeah, and all redemption. that. And he's it, sort of bearing this, my ancestors destroyed this. He has world. this fear because he's the true king. Yes. You know, but he's, he's avoiding that. He doesn't want that. And he knows what power can do to people. Yeah. And he knows he's sort of ashamed of what his of, ancestors yeah, did. Yeah, what his ancestors did. Um, Look at that bloodline. Look at what it did. In the end, you know, he's the one that redeems man. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Legolas, the elf. I, I grouped Legolas and Gimli together as well. Um, you know, they, of course, represent their people. Uh, Legolas represents the elves, Gimli the dwarves, of course. And I talked about how they didn't get along so well. But they're able to put their differences aside for the common good. Yes. You know, no matter how they feel about each other at first, they say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on this journey. Yeah. We're here for the same purpose. Let's make it happen. And they form this very strong bond. Team. Unity. Yes. Right. And uh, I'll, I like to look at uh, Legolas is the insight and Gimli's the muscle. Yeah. You know, Legolas, Legolas is, will strategize yeah. and Gimli will do it. Legolas has got that finesse and the quickness yes. and Gimli's Ninja. like just pow, you know, <laughs> strength. There's a raw everything power. Up. And that leaves us to the, he's not a prince of Gondor, the steward's son. Son of the steward. The son of the steward hey, of Gondor. Boromir. Leads the armies. As Ned Stark in Game yes. of Thrones. Sean Bean plays Boromir. Love and, Sean Bean. Uh, and I think he represents the self-salvation of man he's the one that represents men i mean i talked about everyone he's the one who leads men out of that but he represents this is where men are now we're easily corrupted Mm -hmm. it's all good intentions i swear yeah but he represents what man became yeah and uh so you know we see that forming of the fellowship you know the whole you have my axe you have my bow i'll be there i'll follow you um, and the fellowship is formed, and um, before they leave, we see Bilbo give Frodo Sting his sword and his mithril vest, and uh, they're on their way. And their first stop, they're supposed to go over a mountain, mm-hmm. Caracas. I can't pronounce that I can't one. Sorry. Pronounce it. Um, but actually, before they get to that mountain, is your your favorite scene? Oh yeah, the epic that music like that we just shared with you. There's the the shot of them coming across this hill and there's like a big rock on the left and they're walking past it and we see all nine members of the fellowship. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. It's almost like a WWE-esque entrance. entrance. Yeah, I was like, yeah, fellowship, go get him, take it to Sauron. Yeah, brother. So that was just my favorite moment. Yeah, it was beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, so they're hiking through the snowy mountains and it's not going well because... Uh, it's a big snowy mountain, first of all. Yeah. And we see that first image of Boromir tempted. Frodo falls down mm-hmm. the mountain a little bit and drops the ring off his neck. And Boromir's holding it and just staring at it. And he gives this so much fuss over such a little thing. Pretty much, yeah. And Aragorn, for the first time, give the ring back. I care not. And he gives it to him. So that's the first time we truly... You, you see there. That's probably the second time, actually, because you see the temptation during the fellowship forming. Mm-hmm. Give it to Gondor. Gondor, you know, and this is the second time we've seen... Man, Boromir's already... And you see Aragorn, he's got his hand on, on the like, handle of his sword. Like, you. I'm ready to do what's got to be done. Yeah, give because he understands that this ring makes people do crazy things, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, and Boromir is not a bad guy, okay? No, he's, he's not. He's not. 
it's the ring. Yeah. And the fact that he's so desperate, to, he just wants to, to save, save his, his people. people. He knows this is a war we're not going to win. And here we are taking this ultimate weapon. We're taking it and throwing it away. That's we're ridiculous. We're destroying the one thing that could help us. But he doesn't. And we're relying on a halfling to do it. He doesn't yet understand, no. though. So the journey over the mountain is hindered by Saruman. He's saying some spell all the way from his tower in Visengard and destroys the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. where they cannot pass. Um, even though Gimli has been saying, let's go through the mines, let's go through the mines, Gandalf knows that's a terrible decision. And let's Frodo, you know, let the ring bearer decide, what should we do since we can't go this way? We'll go through the mines. <laughs> In Dang it. one place. That's not what you were supposed to say, Frodo. I did not think you'd say that. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, so that brings us to Moria. Mm-hmm. Um, and... A lot happens in just the little area of the door. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this sea monster that attacks them, and they realize that Moria has been sacked, and mm-hmm. it's a tomb, and yeah. everybody's dead. And yeah, um, Gimli's telling him, "Oh, we're gonna go in here and have a big party. Have a party. All my <laughs> cousins are in here." And then he finds out that all his homies are dead, and they're standing on their skulls. So yeah, that's not good. And then they have no choice but to go on because of the big octopus monster outside crashes the, the door, door down yeah. on him so they have to go on through so this was the place where we get to see a first little glimpse of Gollum mm-hmm. and you realize that he wasn't he didn't escape Mordor he was set loose he was set loose to spy on them and uh, you don't truly get Gollum's performance till the sequel yeah. but uh, we do know that he comes back into play and he's voiced by Andy Serkis it's fantastic um so, they're going through Moria and they come upon the tomb of Balin. And if you've read or watched The Hobbit, we love Balin. He, he, Balin was one of the, the, he was the oldest of the dwarves. He was the he, nicest And the, the white dwarves. hair. He was very friendly to Bilbo in the movies yes. and all that. Um, but that's, that's his tomb there in Moria. And they find where the dwarves were kind of holed up in there. Mm-hmm. And all the goblins killed them. Yeah. And as Gandalf is reading this journal that one of the dwarves uh was was writing right when he died yeah. poor pippin knocks this skeleton down a well makes this big racket full of a took and so now they're about to get bombarded with all the bad guys and, and this, a cave troll and a troll and we have this big battle cool in battle. The, yeah, yeah in that little room they win of course uh frodo gets stabbed but mm-hmm. luckily for us, he's got that mithril, mithril that vest. metal, that scale vest on that Bilbo mm-hmm. gave him, and it's very, very strong. So it takes a lot to to get through that. Yeah, and, it's uh, uh, harder than a dragon scale. Right, they and said. So he 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 made it through that. We go on, of course, to uh, the scene where they're running down the steps. Yes, they're trying to get out of there because Gandalf realizes, oh no, there's this big monster We've in here. We've woken a creature, mm-hmm. the Balrog. Right. So they're running, running, running trying to get out and again this is probably the most iconic yes. scene from the movie i would i, I would say, say. The most iconic scene. hey uh, do you know what i say to kids in my class who don't turn in their homework what <laughs> just like that <laughs> you say it just like that i do you I strike do. the ground yeah <laughs> and they get pencil. scared and then they do their homework no i'm just kidding so that is definitely the most iconic scene. Maybe the most iconic line in that movie. Mm, I can't think of anything that would top it. That would top to it. You shall not pass. Everyone knows it. And it sets up such a heart, heart, 
breaking scene, though, yeah. because then he follows it up with, fly, you fools, as he falls down a cavern. Mm-hmm. You know, you think he's destroyed the Balrog. He broke the, and the Balrog falls, but at the last second, he whips that fire whip, and it latches onto Gandalf's leg and pulls him down with him. Yeah. And Frodo's scream, Gandalf! Right. It was just... Wow. Well, like I said earlier, when, when Gandalf's around, I feel like everything's going to be okay. So now... <laughs> You're like, we're screwed. Well, that was fun while it lasted, Stop guys. the movie. We're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, and when they... Then right after this, they they leave the mines, finally, and they all run out of there. And, and they stop to sort of collect themselves Ugh. and, you know, mourn for a minute. They're all bawling their eyes out. Yeah, it's so Sam sad. And, and then, like, you look at Legolas kind of looking around, and he has this look on his face like... I don't get it, you know? And if you think about it, elves are immortal. I mean, you know, you can kill an elf, of course, but they live forever. Yeah. If that doesn't matter. Legolas is older than Gimli and... He obviously knows that this type of thing happens, and he's probably experienced it to some extent, but the the grief that he's seeing and the sorrow and all that, that's not something he's used to seeing. But they also, I think, as elves, aren't really cultured with emotions. Right. They're just kind of... Yeah, that's true. That's valid. Emotionless. And they don't cry. Yeah. Uh, but he still loved Gandalf. Of course. And he's sad, Everybody but it's did. like, he's almost like, I don't cry. I don't know how to it's cry. An un, it's an unusual experience for him and it's to very feel something awkward like to watch that. that. And to sometimes. see all that happening around you. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know what to do. But we finally get to Lothlorien. And, uh, you know, we somewhat feel safe within these woods. Sure. Uh, yeah, but Galadriel's pretty... She's creepy, man. Yeah. I didn't trust her. She, at first, I didn't. I was like, she is... I mean, she's like invading their minds and talking yeah. to them telepathically and yeah. all that stuff. and Giving you them know, visions. Some of them. Seeing what, they're ta- what their secrets are. And it's like, uh, we didn't give you permission for Some that. of them look very uncomfortable. Boromir. Boromir, especially. He's like, um, <laughs> He was just... Dude's sitting there have a, having a panic attack and she's just staring just at him. staring like, at him all and... and Kate Blanchett, what a performance. She can do anything. And she goes on to, you know, Thor Ragnarok, of course. Um, and they do that whole lament scene to Gandalf. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about Legolas being emotionless, and they're, uh, the hobbits can't understand what the elves are singing about. And he's like, oh no, it's a lament to Gandalf. What are they saying? I cannot tell you. For my heart is still grieving. For me, the grief is still too near. Yeah, but he's not. He's, emotion but he's grieving that's, so that's an elf for that's you. an elf yeah um and we get this really cool scene while we're there with frodo and galadriel again a creepy scene because she doesn't know cooth i don't think no she doesn't pick up on social cues she has this well. this magic mirror that you can look into and it mm-hmm. shows you things that are things that were and some things that have not yet come to pass and she invites frodo to look into the mirror of course and he sees basically the, what could happen? What could happen if he fails on this quest? Yeah, and he and, sees a shire destroyed and his friends being hurt and killed. Right. And he says, "Okay, whoa, hold up, this is too much for me. Here, you take. Why the don't ring. you do it?" And then Galadriel freaks out for a second, but it's <laughs> a moment. Realizes, okay, that's not me. Let me collect myself. Yeah, you know, I've passed this test. You need to take the ring. You <laughs> are going to do this now. And it's funny, is like. Uh, as they're leaving Lothlorien the next day, they're all getting these gifts. <laughs> they're like, 
Oprah. You know, sorry <laughs> like, I invaded you your mind, guys. You sorry I you freaked you gift. out. Here's some swords and stuff. <laughs> and uh, she gives out each individual gift to represent a person and their, uh, I guess, what they'll need in their travels. Yeah. Um, and I won't go into detail of what each gift is because you should watch it, especially yeah. the extended, because every gift is given in the extended. Yeah. Um, and they're on their way mm-hmm. to. Uh, uh, What's it called? Amun Hin. Amun Hin. That's the next stop. Uh, the next stop. And this is the scene of my favorite battle in the movie. Me too. Uh, it's just, it's theatrically, it's cool. Um, Cinematography-wise, it's great. And it's just really, like, in levels. Mm-hmm. And this is also the site where we get the last temptation of Boromir. Right. And it's kind of crazy... Talking through in like these three temptations of Boromir's, almost biblical, like you will deny me three times before, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know if Tolkien did that on purpose, you know, but kind of like that was his three temptations before and I, I, his redemption. I, I think after Galadriel, uh, you know, was st- talking to him, you know, he kept saying, I heard her voice inside my head, and she talked about, you know, the fall of Gondor. Yeah. And that makes him a little even, you know, more desperate. Now give me the ring. I really got to get this yes. ring. So so he goes after Frodo a third time. And Frodo, he trips. Frodo goes invisible again with the ring. And he's running away. And I probably would have made it a little bit bigger deal. But he just slips on some leaves and hits his head a little bit. And that seems to knock him back into, Warrior. oh, yeah. I've done the wrong thing. Frodo, I'm so sorry. You know, but. Well, I think when that when the ring leaves, leaves. his presence, yeah. and kind of like think about Bilbo, we said he took that big deep breath, and it was like, "I'm a new man well, now that true. I'm rid of that." You know, that it true. changed him physically and when Frodo too. Got far enough away, Boromir's like, "Oh crap!" You know, he's because it could be that he's trying to fight that feeling, yeah. those urges and those outbursts that he's having, and then when the ring goes, and he's just like, "Oh, you know," and that makes him kind of yeah weak, and that's yeah. maybe that's why he falls. That's true. You That's know. a good point. I never Big sudden that. transition there. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like slamming on the brakes of your car really hard. Oh, that's true. You know? And it jerks you into a certain direction. Right. So Frodo runs and he gets to kind of like this watchtower area and sees the eye again, freaks himself out, takes the ring off, falls. We get a little scene with him and Aragorn. And it's Aragorn's scene with Frodo basically realizing he needs to go off on his own. Yeah. That... The fellowship traveling together is actually not the smartest It's too idea. risky, probably, because of yeah. what this ring can do to really good people. Yes, exactly. And he's less tempted by it than the other normal men. And they're small. He's smaller. And it's kind of like you said earlier, we were talking about it. You'd be like, yeah, the fellowship was a great idea, but if you see a bunch of halflings, an elf, a man, and or two men, an elf, and a dwarf, and a wizard... Walking, strolling towards, through Mordor, <laughs> towards Mordor, uh-huh. guys. I think something's going on over They're here. We should check something. this out, right? You know, and Frodo kind of has this like, I need to go off on my own. Mm-hmm. And hobbits are really light on their feet, so you and know small. they're kind of relying on the hope that he can sneak in sneak there into Mordor. That's the idea. Um, so, at, but at his sword starts to turn blue, and the thing about staying is when orcs are around, it turns blue. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone an, sees that. Because it's an, an elvish weapon, a, and the elves are able to put magic in their swords yes. and all that. They can kind of imbue magic properties into their weapons. Sure. Uh, yeah, I learned that term from a video game. Nice. Imbue. 
Um, See, video games are educational. They are. <laughs> um, and then starts our favorite battle scene. The mm-hmm. Urukai have found them at Omon Hen, and Aragorn's like, run. Yeah. And Frodo takes off, but Aragorn starts fighting, and this scene, and then Legolas and Gimli show up, and they're shooting arrows and throwing axes and slicing and that, da- and... I think what I like about it is the fact that all the other battles that we see, it's the orcs and the goblins, and they're kind of small and they're hunched over. And when they're attacking, it's like like an ocean wave just yeah. crashing into them, and it's hard to tell what's going on. But when they're fighting the urukai, these are you know they're like the same size or bigger than them. Yeah, and you know they're really actually having combat, like they're having yeah. dueling and all yeah. that stuff. Actual technique. And Legolas has his big kill streak there. He shoots like six or seven of them all at once <laughs> now watching it like i'm in my head i'm like double kill, double yeah, kill. right <laughs> kill tacular dragging up those points you know? and but what's really cool about the battle is all this craziness and all this battle is going around frodo running down a hill trying to get out of there and so like aragorn's fighting over here and legolas is fighting over here and gimli's fought and then the camera's rolling down the hill with Frodo, and he hides for a little bit, and then there's more fighting over here, and then Merry and Pippin are hiding. Chaos. And, like, and it's just chaos, but it's visually it's cool, because it's physically going down the hill all while this battle's happening, mm-hmm. and it's telling each story of each battle. And in this chaos, it's how they all get separated. Yes, this which sets up the sequel. Yeah. Um, so Frodo gets away, because Merry and Pippin distract the Uruks, mm-hmm. and... These Urukai are about to kill Merry and Pippin, and redemption moment. Yes, Boromir finally sees, and he comes in, and they've subtly been building a relationship with the three of them: Boromir, Merry, and Pippin throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. And we he, saw him training with them. Yes, earlier. and he grabs them in Moria to save them. Mm-hmm. He's very worried about the the cold. He and, rode in the boat with them. Yes, after Lorien. He saves him, and he is just fighting them off until the lead Urukai comes up and shoots him with an arrow. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop him. And he keeps going. And he ke- and that's another favorite visual of mine. Just that die-hard redemption. You know, like the way the lights flickering through the leaves as he fights. He's fighting, and then another arrow, boom. Then he gets up and he keeps fighting. And Mary and Pippin are just watching this happen. Do you know what makes me think of? Do you remember in? The old Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock says, I will not die a monster. Yes. That's sort of like Boromir here. You know, he's like, after he has his confrontation with Frodo and he tries to like physically take the ring from him, you know, once that's over, he's like, man, I've really messed up. This is not me. This is a terrible, terrible thing. And he's going to do whatever it takes to redeem himself, to show, you know, I'm not a monster i'm gonna make sure that i am a good person right i'm gonna make sure that whatever needs to happen for frodo to get out here and Mm -hmm. and for us to win this i'm gonna make it happen i'm gonna protect everybody absolutely and and it's really a beautiful death yeah um story-wise uh visual wise nobody um, dies like sean bean (laughs) No, he no, they do not. Yeah. Uh, um, I think the only movie I've seen that he hasn't died in was National Treasure. I but thought he, got he arrested did. In I, that. Oh, okay. I thought he, he did arrested. die in that. I thought he yeah. fell through a bunch of floorboards no, or his, something. No, uh, his lackey did. Oh, okay. But he gets arrested at the end. Right. I was like, hey, 
<laughs> Better than that's, dead. <laughs> that's one. Um, but, you know, sadly we see Boromir shot up with arrows. And Aragorn does come to the rescue and has this cool little epic fight with the main Urukai and uh, kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, chops his head clean off. Chops his head clean off. And there's this sad farewell to Boromir. And the line, you know, um, Boromir and him are talking about Gondor. And he would have liked to have seen it. And Boromir says to him, he says, I would have followed you to the end. Uh, My brother, my captain, my king. Mm -hmm. And that's Boromir saying, I see it now. You are the true king of Gondor. And I would have followed you. You are a leader, Aragorn. Yeah. And we kind of made a joke about this earlier, but kind of to remember Boromir, Aragorn takes his, like, his gauntlets off. He takes his greaves off and off of his dead body and puts them on him. Just kind of like, thanks, man. (laughs) Meant to be a symbolic, like, I'm carrying Boromir with me on this journey, but it was kind of like... Yeah, I've been eyeing that uh, that armor since <laughs> since Riven. Yeah, <laughs> you know those are cool. Hope you don't die. Right. Um, but and it really was a fat, sad farewell. And after that farewell, we see Frodo leaving on a boat, and Sam is like, "Mr. Frodo." Yeah. And he jumps in the water to follow him, mm-hmm. but Sam can't swim. Poor fella. Mm. But he's trying. He's Looks like he can't even doggy paddle. He just sinks <laughs> like a rock. He's a big boy. Yeah. Um, loves to eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he starts to drown. Like, Frodo's just watching it for a second. Just like, Sam, stop. Please stop. Sam, stop. You can't swim. And there's this pretty image of him just drowning. And then, of course, Frodo saves him. Yeah. And we get that cool line, I made a promise Frodo, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't mean to. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to. And so the fellowship, as quick as it was formed, is dissipated. Right. Um, Frodo and Sam are seen leaving on the other side of the shore, going towards Emmanuel. And uh, big bunch of rocks, in big other words. bunch of sharp razor and, rocks. And Mount Doom looks like it's really, really close. Like, oh, we, maybe we'll be there in a couple days or yeah. so, but we still got two more movies <laughs> yeah. to go. Um, and of course, the trio of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli have decided we will save Merry and Pippin. They've been abducted right. by the other Urukai. We can't let them die. Yeah, and they're gonna just leg it across Middle yeah. Earth, chasing after they're the Urukai. Pull a ranger people make those jokes about you know the lord of the rings movies it's like 12 hours of people running it's like <laughs> this is where that really comes from because no, this really is yeah. sure that's of course that's what they right. did you know um and that's so it. and that's really that's what ended it is uh sam and frodo walking down some sharp razory rocks and i gotta tell you man i when we first saw this in theaters i was with my friend caleb and we didn't know yet that it was going to be one, two, and three. Oh, you didn't so know. So we're sitting the Lord in the, of the theater, Rings and it just the credits roll after them walking, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. It just immediately like, "Well, do they get there?" <laughs> you know. And Caleb's like, "No, oh, man. There's two other movies going to come out. You've got to read the books." What? <laughs> I was like, "They're not just going to feed me everything that happens after this." So it. it kind of leaves that hook yeah 
there's a sec there's a second one coming you yeah. know um but overall i know that that was a very very long and very deep dive into the fellowship so what are some of your final thoughts you know like some visuals some moments uh um, when we talked about i loved them all walking over the hill with mm-hmm. the music playing um you know this is my favorite of the three movies and i think what i love about it is that all the characters are together this 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 story has them all on their journey uh, the beginning of their journey you mm-hmm. know and then the next two movies they're all separated and we see different stories sort of like yes. how you know game of thrones is they're yes. all split up and everything and i like when they're all together so. yeah and it kind of adds that they're all together it's safe yeah you know nobody's left out and um visually you know at the time man it was a beautiful movie um because well, not even at the time now too now, i mean now too you it holds up and it holds up between the shire and rivendell and even when the balrog comes out you know just it's just beautiful um so you know we got some questions from some fans from other nerds like you and i mm-hmm. and uh, i thought we'd uh answer some of them okay and we'll try. uh we'll try and uh, the first one comes from our buddy alex uh and <laughs> it's actually a pretty on the nose you know question why didn't the eagles just fly them straight to mount doom because we needed three movies not one <laughs> uh no i think the real answer is that um they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't really want to. And Gandalf doesn't call for their help unless it's like super, Dying. super desperate, right? Yeah, like I got to have you at this moment. Plus, like we talked about earlier, the key to making this happen is stealth, going yep. in quietly. Gandalf flying in on a big eagle is going to probably. The whole fellowship are on a bunch of big eagles. Yeah, they're going to notice that. And even if they flew over the very tip top, like what if they missed and then they can't find it again, <laughs> you know? So somebody has to actually go through the door of the mountain and yeah. go in there and drop it in. So, yeah. Stealth. <laughs> uh, Megan asks, is there a better bromance than Legolas and Gimli? Uh, yeah. Josh and Tyler. <laughs> Joel. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Chase asks, what is your first memory of Lord of the Rings? Um, I would say... Uh, when I was in middle school, I got to read The Hobbit, and after that, I was sort of told, like, oh, there's all this extra stuff that goes on after it, and I didn't read it because I was told, like, it's really complicated and, you know, not yeah. something that an eight- or nine-year-old would really... Oh, no. Yeah. So, I waited a while, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Um, my first memory is, when I was in fourth grade, it was at my grandmother's house, Um the old animated yeah and it wasn't all three of them it like stopped it was the first one and most it, of the second most one. of the second it was weird yeah the animation's weird yeah. it's like a specific kind of animation it's like real but animated it yeah. wasn't claymation it was blended yeah it was like a blend and Gollum is weird yeah <laughs> you know. everything was a lot different but I I still enjoy that version yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate it. I was just like, wow, this is so 80s. Yeah, did you know that uh, Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, is the voice of Legolas in that? I did not. And um, the guy who played Ollivander in Harry Potter, uh, John Hurt, is that his name? Yes. Uh, he is Aragorn in that. Wow. Yeah. 
I did not know that. Yeah. All I know is Sam's like, who is Mr. Voodoo? Yeah, they kind of make him this big bumbling idiot, yeah. but uh, yeah. um, Sam's the real deal, though. Absolutely. Uh, Tyler Ray asks, what was the most emotional moment in the first movie for you all? Um, Sam and Frodo at the boat. Oh, yeah. When he's like, I'm coming with you. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I still always tear up at Boromir's death. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a good I, part, too. It, it just, that redemption story is always something that hits hard with me. Yeah. Uh, our friend David Horton, uh, host of Johnny Has the Keys, uh, asks, Do you think it had an anticlimactic ending? Was there enough of a hook or too much of one? Uh, for instance, uh, did you feel it was a complete movie? Yes. And I think, un- unlike you when you saw it the first time, yeah. most people know there's there's going to yeah. be more to it. Uh, well, I mean, it did hook me. Yeah. I was like, well, what's next? No, I thought it was just right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he also followed up with, did you feel there was too much C- CGI? No. I felt like there, w- there was not too yeah. much. Uh, now, this, you know, easily could be pointed towards the direction of where we are now, where there is too much CGI. Yeah, I mean, and if you think that that the Lord of the the Lord of the Rings had too much CG, look at the Hobbit trilogy, where oh, it was gosh. a whole lot more, and I yeah. think that made it not as good. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it hurt takes, it. it. Takes away from the story because and you go in expecting you go in expecting the Lord of the Rings like yeah. the same, and it's not. Absolutely. Darren asks, how much of Lord of the Rings influences Game of Thrones? Uh, A lot of it? I'd have to say, without Lord of the Rings, you don't have it. Probably not. Without Lord of the Rings, there is no Game of Thrones. Uh, You can ask old man Martin, but I can guarantee you that he drew a lot from Lord of the Rings. I would think so. In Tolkien's universe. Uh, So I would say most of it. Uh, Allison asks, how do you feel about Elijah Wood as Frodo? I personally did not enjoy it. You go first, Josh. <laughs> um, I I get it. I see what you're saying, because he's very whiny a lot of times, and he always, it seems like he always has the same expression on his face, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that, that... I didn't feel like it was that bad in the book. It's not that bad in the book, but the but a book is totally different from a movie. I mean... In the book, like he would laugh and joke a lot and everything, but if the movie is focused on how powerful the ring is and the effect that it has on people, before the ring, Frodo's having fun in the pub with his friends and smiling and laughing. He has the ring and he's different automatically, right away. Mm-hmm. That changes him forever. Hmm. So it, it. I mean, yeah, and I see I that. Think it I works. Just, the the little nitpicky things that I had with it was, I felt that. Sam, Mary, and Pippin were better portrayals of what we read. I can't argue that. What we saw, sure. and I, I think he was the weakest portrayal out of not just the Fellowship but the Hobbits. Um, and the pouty, broody, you know, you can't help me, you know. And maybe it's just Elijah Wood. Maybe. And maybe. I'm just I really. Not I mean, I, I kind of used to feel that way too, but I'm used to it now, and yeah. I think realistically if you think about it it has to be that way if elijah wood is walking through mordor cracking jokes and having a good time then the ring must not be that big of a deal you know 
And in the book, sometimes Frodo did that. He and Sam and Gollum would like tell stories and laugh and joke, and they almost had like some camaraderie going on. That's true. And that wouldn't work in in this movie. Chips. Yeah. Um. Our dear friend Logan, I know you thought we almost got through an episode without mentioning Logan's name. He'll listen this far and realize that we're not going to talk about him, and he'll stop stop listening. listening. They haven't name dropped me yet. I'm not listening. Uh. What made you all fall in love with the Lord of the Rings? I have to say the characters. Yeah, I don't know really. That's a tough one. I just love well, all story. of it. Everything the world about that it. They built. Yeah. I mean, I, can't I just love that it's this big epic thing. Um, I love all the fighting, all the characters. The music really makes it special. Yes. Um, I think it's Howard Shore it. does the music. Yeah. It's just oh my gosh, it's perfect. And I have a question for you. Oh, boy. Okay. If you had to give up one trilogy, would it be the original Star Wars trilogy or the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I think I'd die first. (laughs) (laughs) I'd take a bullet first. But if, like... If I had to pick between the two. If you had to pick between the original Star Wars trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which one would you erase from history? Oh, how could you do this to me? I think that Star Wars has had more of an impact on on history. Um, but for me personally, I think Lord of the Rings would be the one that has to stay. And that's hard to say because I would, I, you I, know I, I love Star Wars. I would agree with you. But would, for me, it's Lord yeah, of the Rings. I would agree. I shock, Your answer shocks me. Because I asked our buddy Logan and he said he'd keep Star Wars. Wow, oh, if you ask me tomorrow, I may have a different opinion. <laughs> but we did just watch Fellowship of the Ring yeah. a few hours ago, and like after we got done finishing, I was just like, "Still beautiful, yeah, still amazing. holds up." Uh, so those are the questions. Thank you all for the questions. And I gathered, in honor of the nine members of the Fellowship and Episode Nine. That's which is why we did. Hey, yeah, this is our ninth episode, which is kind of why we went with the Fellowship of the Ring. Nine unknown facts about Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. One, Christopher Lee, who plays Saruman, is the only cast member who had met J.R.R. Tolkien in person. He was a Tolkienite. I mean, he was borderline obsessed. He said he read the books once a year, every year. And that's all three of them. Um, Number two, Christopher Lee... Again, Saruman originally auditioned for the role of Gandalf. Wouldn't have been the same. Who? No. I cannot. I mean, can we just. Does Christopher Lee ever envisualize good guy to you? No. No. Wouldn't It would have been weird. Yeah. Sean Connery was originally asked to play Gandalf, but turned down the role because he had never read the books. Had Again. no idea what it was. Wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> Number four, Stuart Townsend. Uh, if you watched the movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, he was Dorian Gray. Uh, he was originally casted as Aragorn. And, oh, not funny, but the sad thing is, is he actually filmed scenes. Mm-hmm as Aragorn, and they realized he was too young, and they sent him packing. 
That's an odd, awkward conversation to have there. Yeah, it's just, we're going in a different direction. Sorry we flew you all the way out to New Zealand and had you work for <laughs> three days. a lead. Now you're, you're going, home. going back home. Sorry. Um, and they replaced him with, of course, Viggo Mortensen. Wouldn't have been the same. Again, yeah, he it wouldn't have been the same. Um, Sean Bean, who plays Boromir, a.k.a. Ned Stark, was afraid to fly. So all those higher elevation scenes like the mountains and stuff, he would actually hike in costume to those sets instead of flying in a helicopter. That's determination for you out there. Um, at the very, near the very beginning, we see one of the Dark Riders uh, outside of Hobbiton. And he stops a Hobbit and he says, Shire Baggins. That's actually Andy Serkis voicing that, who later on voices Gollum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also know him from the MCU. Uh, in in uh, Civil War and Black Panther. No, not Age Civil War. I lied. Age of Ultron. He's uh, ah. Do I even nerd, bro? Do you even nerd, bro? <sighs> He's the guy who stole all the vibranium from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on, number seven, uh, John Rhys Davies, who is Gimli the dwarf, is actually the tallest cast member out of the Fellowship. Out of the Fellowship, right? He's actually the tallest in the Fellowship, and he plays one of the shortest in the Fellowship, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, and he also is the voice of Treebeard. Yes. Yes, he is. It's not a Fellowship fact, but no, still. it's a Two Towers fact. We'll get there. Uh, number eight, the portrait of Bilbo's parents and Bag End is based on Peter Jackson, who directed the movie, and his wife, who was a producer of the movie at New Line. So little fun secret fact there. And number nine, the last fact of Fellowship of the Ring. The nine Fellowship actors, just the actors in the Fellowship, got tattoos of, I believe it was the Elven inscription in the ring. It was right? the, no, it was the Elvish word for nine. Nine, Elvish word for nine. And they all got the tattoo in honor of it. However, Gimli, John Reese davies did not. His stunt double got it. Right. Speaking of tattoos, you have been dying to tell a story about a certain tattoo you have. Can I finally tell this story? Sure. Okay. I believe we mentioned it in episode one that you had a story. Did we? Yeah, so nine okay. episodes later, we finally get to hear the legendary tattoo. This is my favorite story, I think, ever. So, several people who listen and who know me know that I have a very large tattoo on my left leg, and it is of Gandalf. And uh, below that, it has the inscription from the ring and everything. So, I went to New York City one Christmas. Becky and I went uh, to see a play on Broadway. It was uh, Waiting for Godot, and it starred none other than Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen. Uh, and Charles Xavier and Magneto. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I wanted, and I love Patrick Stewart, too. So I wanted to go see him, just to get a glimpse of my favorite character. Oh, it's, a from Lord of the Rings, right? it's a great that show too. That too. So we watched the play, and it was great, and I was I was thrilled. I was over the moon just to have seen him. But you know, if you've ever been to a Broadway show, you know that sometimes people can wait by the back door, and the people in the show come out and sign autographs and all that. We waited out there in the snow in New York City, waiting for them to come out, and they finally did after forever. And they came through and they signed some things and all that. Well, they walked past me and I thought, that's okay. 
That's fine. I'm still happy I saw him. Becky comes up to me and says, Did you tell him you have a tattoo of him on your leg? I said, Well, no, I didn't get the chance to. She said, This is your chance. Probably your only chance. So I scooted up to the front of the little gate and I hollered out, I have you tattooed on my leg. And Ian McKellen stops everything he's doing and he turns around and he makes eye contact with me. And I'm telling you, my heartbeat was like, and he walks over to me and he says, do you really? I said, yes, sir. He said, can I have a look at it? Can you ever let me just prop my leg up here? So I roll up my pant leg and I'm, put my foot up on the little gate and Ian McKellen is looking at my tattoo. He touches my leg. He's like, you know, running his fingers up and down my leg, looking at the Gandalf on there. He looks at me and he's, he kind of laughs. He says, you're mad. I was like, no, I just love you. (laughs) And he said, Oh, it's very good. Where did you have it done? And I told him and, and, and that's, that was really about it because I thought I would faint after that. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he signed my program and we took a picture and we'll share that picture on, we will, on Facebook. we will yeah. indeed. And that was it. And I mean to tell you, I know he touched your leg, but you really need to shower that leg. You know, it's starting I mean, it's yeah, been a few I years. It's probably about time. I just, what if, what if Ian McKellen passes away tomorrow and, and I walks worth know? millions of dollars, yeah. <laughs> hack it off. Yeah, that's you my, you should have him sign I Gandalf. wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to, but I was starstruck. I was a mess, man. This he, and he is not him, and even him and uh, uh, Samwise are not the only fellowship members you've met. Um, I've met uh, Sean Astin, Ian McKellen, Billy Boyd, who's Pippin, and uh, you met John Ray's Davies. Gimli. I did. Yeah, he was a really nice guy, and he really took the time to talk to uh, Becky and myself. He was so interested in the fact that we were teachers and he talked about how much he appreciated that and how we have such an important job. And, and he, my most memorable thing, he, he said I was a handsome devil. He was impressed by my beard. He said, look at this handsome devil here. And I was like, oh, stop. Stop again, mate. <laughs> so he was great. But the Ian McKellen thing beats it up. Oh, think, yeah, so. absolutely. So, yeah, we'll share some pictures. Uh, I believe you've got pictures of all their meetings of them. Of them, I think so. Yeah, we'll yeah, share look some around. pictures of the uh, the fellowship that he has met, mm-hmm. and uh, on our Facebook page. And brother, um, it's been a heck of an episode, and I've I've enjoyed it. Love talking the rings with you. Oh yeah. Um, and again, if you all think it's too long, well, again, there's the volcano you can walk in. That's right, and after how much fun we had last week on our Stranger Things episode, we are going to return to the 80s one more time and do a breakdown of Stranger Things Season 2. That'll be next week, Episode 10. Episode 10. We're going to deep dive Stranger Things Season 2. Send in any questions about that season, and uh, we'll uh, try to get them answered. And uh, I'm excited for that, man. Yeah. You started watching it again. Yeah, I'm already ready to, to, to start notes yeah. Started. <laughs> yeah I'm so excited about it I really love it I do too man and I'm excited for that next week and uh, I believe that's it brother that's all we got after after this mega episode I'm officially spent yes. and uh, with that we will see you next time nerds